hi and welcome to the very last episode of is this really for kids oh my gosh it's been so much fun i've learned so much it's been a great tool for advocacy if you're somehow watching this first episode last because this is i think one of our only oscar winners this season well hi we go and we die deep into kids media and if it's really for children and we have a discussion on like how it impacted us and the lessons that we take away but yeah thank you all so much for being here and i'm so excited for this episode today we are going to talk about oscar winner soul and this is my last episode of the season and before i introduce my superstar guest because he is clearly a superstar he is like literally doing all of the things that an artist can possibly do but yeah I just wanted to take the time to say thank you all for listening this has been so much fun to do I haven't gotten the like viewership that I ideally like but I've still gotten some viewership and I have not done my duty promoting it I just really was just kind of figuring out the technical aspect and getting used to how to give the best reviews I mean it's crazy that every children's movie is so different and and told in such a unique way like even movies of the same series have not really been told in the same way like there's so much to each and every movie and yeah i just i love film so much i love it so so much and i'm just blessed that i have had the opportunity and time to talk about it and talk with such wonderful creative artists so if anybody is listening to this that was a guest on my podcast thank you so much for giving me your time and your input and your thoughts. Those were the most fun episodes to do, obviously, when you have another person. And it made quarantine for me a lot more fun. I felt like I was meeting new people, even when I wasn't physically meeting new people. So I really enjoyed doing this podcast. I was intending to come back sooner than I probably will because I'm going through an Invisalign journey. And you don't want to hear this. And you can kind of already hear it on some of the unfortunate series of events podcasts because I had just gotten like some dental work done. And it's, you know, hard to have a podcast when your mouth is not working. So... We are going to kind of take a pause. I will be back for like it is a year of this podcast. So I will be back by 2022. My plan is to do kind of like it's going to be I think more quicker. I probably like next year because I took this time off. I'll be doing more seasons in a year. My plan is to do kind of a school based season with like Gossip Girl and Glee. All the high school shows you can think of as well as then at 31 days of Halloween, 25 days of Christmas. So all of that stuff will be coming to you in 2022. And I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be even better. I'm just going to kind of pour some marketing stuff into this one and see what people have to say, get some reviews done so that I can make it the best that it possibly can be. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. And without further ado, let me introduce my guest, Eric, and also get into Soul. So Eric is a freelance screenwriter, music video director, and producer. He is also the founder of Realized Entertainment, an artist collective that seeks to inspire change and facilitate social justice through merging politics and arts into stories that reflect our core humanity. He is the co-host of the Perpendicular Mouths podcast and is part of the hip-hop group Blunt Force, where he raps under the stage name Realize. So... He's epic, essentially, just like all of these things are amazing, and I'm really excited to have him on it. 
Uh, I'm attaching all of his Facebook, social, Twitter, Instagram links below. You are also invited to go to his website at realizedentertainment.com and you can access the SoundCloud pages of every member of Blunt Force along with links to videos, podcasts, blogs, show dates, plus his upcoming web series, The Blunt Force Fam, that follows them in their pursuit of stardom. You can also, of course, check out what I mentioned before, The Perpendicular Mouths, where his co-host, Ruth Zap and him debate everything from comics to noodles in an attempt to definitively establish the greatest whatever of all time. And I will attach the links to all of that below. He's also got albums called Morbidly a Beast and Blunt Force Trauma on iTunes, Apple Music, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. And I will also include those links below for you because clicking is so much easier than you trying to like type this in your notes or use a pad and paper if you're super old school. Finally, if you'd like to reach Eric's office for consultations and bookings, you can call him at 833-REAL-ENT. So R-E-A-L-E-N-T. And I will put that out there for you guys to call for a consultation if you want. And I'm very excited to hear what he has to say about Oscar winning soul. So here we go. We're going to get into it and it's going to be amazing. All right. So Disney's Pixar soul, which just won best animated feature at the Oscars. Woohoo! I know. So exciting. <laughs> I think this is like my first one that I've talked about. That is like, a super award winner too uh, on this first season. So I think the most interesting thing about Soul, like right away that I was amused by is like, I forgot that there are part-time teachers that not every teacher in the school facility is like a full-time teacher with benefits, which right. is really kind of interesting too. Cause it's, he's just been like, basically teaching is a gig for him which is like kind of an artist thing. Like I always think about like, you know, there's so many servers who like, they don't care about being servers. They want to be actors. Right. Or there's so many people, especially yeah. in like LA and New York that are doing these like side jobs that they're not passionate about. But what's interesting about the teacher's character is that he is like slightly passionate about band because it's slightly his love of music, but it's not his like one true joy. Well, I just, I don't think he, he wanted to teach. He was hoping to be a performer. Yeah, but he still cares about the kids, you know, sounding well, like even though they suck, like this band is so, it's really terrible, which to me feels mean, but that also probably is true of high school bands, that it is like slightly out of tune and not good because, you know, these are like children learning. <laughs> well, not even high school. I, I think in the, the uh, and, and thank you so much for, for having me oh, on the no show worries. too. I really yeah, appreciate I'm so it. Excited. Yeah, but uh, I think they were supposed to be like junior high kids. And I know like yeah, that's my, true. my, my uh, wife is actually the principal in a junior high and she'll send Zoom videos to me sometimes from uh, her students, like the band. And they're, they're not good. I mean, they're trying, but it, I mean, it takes time. It takes time. So it's, it, yeah. it was realistic. That's yeah. so funny. Well, and it's like true. Cause you're like, you know, you're going through puberty and like, I feel like still like, you know, how children are with their hands and they like don't understand how to like hold things or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, it's hands are still new to them then, which is, it's just so interesting. Um, I forget like those things about being a kid, you know, where you like didn't know how to do most of the things you know how to do now. Um, now, did you did you play an instrument growing up? I played, I tried to learn guitar and then I played violin for a little bit, but the bridge kept popping off of the violin. Oh, wow. So it was really frustrating. And my family was very like, 
strict on money. So it, and it cost money every time the bridge went to fix it. And yeah, I just like, I, I really liked music, but I was definitely like a perfectionist child. So if I wasn't instantly good at something, I like wanted to quit. Like I was like, I couldn't take the sucking, which I think as a musician, you have to be like willing to suck for a little bit before mm -hmm. you get good. And I just, I didn't have the capacity for that. Did you play instruments? I know you like rap and are into music. So yeah, well, when I when I was really little, the first instrument my parents had me play was the piano accordion. Why? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, it's like now I, it's like I'm a dual brain thinker because you have the the buttons on the left and then the keyboard on the right. And then as I got older in high school, I said, okay, enough umpapa and, and let's go straight into uh, drumming. So I got, you know, I started drumming in high nice. school. But but the thing I remember from being little is you would get ribbons, you know, first, <laughs> second, third place. And, and I had gotten uh, so many of the, the first place blue ribbons that I wanted to collect the red, green and yellow ribbons, too. So I purposely <laughs> tried to, like, suck it up. That is so funny. You got to collect them all like a Pokemon. <laughs> I wanted all the colors like they were like they were, uh, you know, toys or action figures. Except I just had to draw a I face honestly on them. think that's kind of admirable, though, because I always think about it like in terms of the Grammys. Like I think like Taylor Swift has won like 12 Grammys. I think Beyonce's won like 20. She's won an insane amount. And it's like, when do you like because you just by by trying to suck and get like third place. Right. You let this other kid be first place. I think the adult version is trying to get the EGOT. You know, you're like, I need an Emmy, I need a Grammy, I need an Oscar, I need a Tony. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. you decide all of a sudden in your career, you're like, I'm going to start being a stage actor just so you can like go for that trophy. Right. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I don't know. I, after like, for me, it's like, once you've won like more than two, I feel like it's, it's just dumb at a certain, like, so you just want to collect, like, so you can be the person that w has won the most Grammys or the most Tonys. It's, I don't know. It seems silly to me, but. Or, or you use them as like bookends, you know, on your bookshelf, yeah. you need them to balance out, balance out all your, your books or all, I mean, probably your photos of yourself. That is like a $3,000 bookshelf thing. Like you can. Exactly. But anyway, so Teach is basically auditioning for a gig and he gets it because he's really talented and Basically, it's told, you know, get a suit, come. I love how they're two. They're like, come at nine, but the sound check is at seven. So wouldn't you have to be there at seven? I don't ever understand musicians and time. You, you would have yeah. to probably be there at like 645, really. But they you know, said but, come at but, nine. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny, though, is because it's jazz. Like a sound check might take two hours just <laughs> oh, because yeah. you're literally like riffing. Like when, when he goes into the zone on the piano, that, that might have been a good 25 minutes right there. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, because jazz is just like musical improvisation. It's incredible. It's like long. Have you ever been to a, a jazz club, like a live jazz club? Before? I haven't been to a live jazz club. I've like heard jazz live and I've like, you know, like I've been to an outdoor jazz concert and I've been to like mm. jazz band concerts when I was obviously in like high school, middle school. But yeah, mm. I haven't been to like a club. Oh, uh, there was a place I used to live in Pasadena, like years and years ago and there was this underground i guess it was just like a jazz bar jazz club and and uh my buddy and i were in college at the time we would like not ditch school but like after lunch or something go down there and it was just like in the movie they're just you know feeding off each other it was it was awesome yeah. and a totally different sound because it's so small compared to like going to a rock show or something where it's it's all just really loud 
because it's just the natural instruments reverberating and filling that space. Yeah, that's so cool. I definitely want to go. I've been to like New Orleans and that's like, there's just jazz in the streets. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, you, that's like the yeah. Mecca. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, poor Teach, after this like hilarious avoidance of like all of these other possible ways he could have been killed, ends up falling through a pothole and then essentially dies but he becomes this blue glow and honestly this whole thing this whole animated sequence just reminds me of like the early days of macintosh <laughs> like the way that it is like the old like lisa computer all of that old stuff it just reminds me of the way that it's designed is like it feels like the you opened up steve jobs mind and like this fell out <laughs> now were you, were you talking about the way they did the animation of uh going into the, the yeah and all that. like even the way that he is is this little blue guy yeah you know what i think that was i think that was all purposefully done because i think they're trying to talk about the uh, parallels as existence and life being kind of like the simulation like mm -hmm. the, like it's a program you know not not so so they're saying okay yeah. you die and this this energy inside you this the, your soul your energy your heat that can't be created and destroyed mm -hmm. goes to like energy or whatever. And, and the way they just sort of tried to do it was uh, very simplistic because it's the most complicated thing you could ever try to think about and represent. So it's like, here, here's a way your your little human mind can kind of comprehend this thing. That's why I think they're all like babies. Like the, the way the energy kind of looks, it's like, oh, you're like a little baby energy. It's like like when you see the paintings of of angels and they're like babies with wings yeah. and stuff. Like, I think that's that's more about the the little baby energy. Like, oh, you don't know how to work it up here in uh, mm -hmm. the energy realm, so. Yeah. They also kind of do look like when cells combine yes. together, like they look like a very basic cell, the way that they're all kind of like squiggly, yeah. you know, like really kind of mushy faces. Well, what I thought was really interesting too was uh, the way they kind of did the, the Jerry's, which I thought that was, the, the weirdest thing to me is like, why are they all called Jerry? What's the significance oh, of that? yeah. But how the, they were like 2D, you know? It was like just a line, they were flat. And uh, I was actually talking to a, a buddy of mine recently because they say there's supposedly like 10 or more dimensions out there, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, the first dimension is just like the big crunch, like the singularity, everything at one point. And I think 2D, the way I can only imagine it is when the big bang took place. So there's finally like uh, some expression to matter is like kind of out there and the, the light or the heat or something is spreading out, but there's not really form to it yet. Like stuff hadn't started combining into planets and whatever, you know, into the galaxies. It's just sort of like mm -hmm. existence. And I think that's kind of what the 2D Jerry's and things out there represented is like, they didn't really have a form form to them. It was just sort of yeah. an existence. Mm -hmm. They look to me like abstract broccoli. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, one, one or the other, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and to kind of backtrack, the way that the great beyond is with all the like stars, I mean, it is like simply stunning. Like it, you cannot like look away. Like it is so absorbing because it's like all of these stars in this like staircase going up like the animation there is just simply beautiful but i do love teach where he's like um i have a gig i can't die i felt that was very relatable um <laughs> very very relatable right, to the yeah. artist life mm -hmm. but yeah back onto like the terry's i guess they're sort of supposed to be like 
mentor gods in a way or are they like angels in a certain extent yeah i would look at it yeah more as like uh like if there was like a celestial hierarchy they they, they definitely had a purpose they had mm-hmm. a role see because that that whole area i think that was supposed to be like i don't know if that was because they said it was pre-life which made me kind of think like they were also kind of alluding to reincarnation because yeah. because like you could take that escalator up into heaven right and then or you could go back to earth so my whole thing is I, I feel like because we're all obviously going to die like uh, and we're all born that I, I think it's more about just sort of coming to terms with the energy we've always been. And then I, I don't know if we get like more go rounds at it until we can just accept it. And, and, and someone had said like, OK, if the idea of heaven or whatever was just like, oh, constant peace and happiness, wouldn't that get boring? And maybe perfection would and hence why we end up coming back to uh the chaos the seeming chaos of of living i mean i don't know i always think that like i don't know if we tell ourselves that heaven would get boring because we've just we've been we've gotten so much used to the ups and downs of life and i think sometimes too we've like i don't know i think sometimes you say stuff like that in a way like it's a form of like abuse to yourself in in like kind of like a harsh way to say it but you're like, oh, things can't be perfect because that's just not life. That's just not possible. And I think like all of that is like a mindset. Like if you look for something to be boring, it will be boring. But if you accept peace and have like an inner joy in the moment, nothing will be boring. It will always be joyful, right? Like so, and thus I guess would be like heaven. And that's how I've always looked at it. I just was always like, to me, boredom has always been a choice. Like when people say that they're bored, I like roll my eyes and like twitch and I like, it's hard because I try to be like a polite, nice person, but I'm like, how can you be bored? We live in such an incredible world. Like I could stare at my blank white walls and be like, whoa, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, just have a really right. good time. Just because they're so, yeah. yeah. You know, it's so funny. That reminds me of, they, they talked about, uh, you know, the, the artist Salvador yes. Dali? Okay, he, he obviously didn't have TV or, or yeah. anything like that. I, I don't know. They probably had music. I don't know if they had like, mm-hmm. you know, records and phonographs. But they said he would uh, go up into an attic that they had in his home. I don't know if it's his childhood home or whatever. And he had a bath basin up there and he'd fill it with, you know, hot water or whatever. And he would go into the attic and shed everything so it's pitch black. And he would emerge. Would sub, do you submerge or emerge? Submerge, right? Into the bath. Mm-hmm. And he would just yeah. stare out into the darkness and start playing out movies in his mind in the darkness. Wow. Yeah. And like that's part of how he would start yeah. coming up with some of his ideas. Or else they, would, they said also like he, he would just sort of take naps and hold like a, a spoon over a pot. And then once he passes out, he just drops the spoon onto the pot and immediately wake up and had an easel and start painting uh you know yeah like a blank canvas and just start painting his dream incredible so i mean i really admire when you say like you know trying to find uh, a way to be happy and entertain yourself like you know are there are there boring days or are there boring yeah for sure i think too it's just like you're it's so easy to just be focused on like i don't know what everybody else has and, and what's lacking and then really like you get caught up into that rat race, you know, of like comparison and what other people have that you don't and are you missing out on something? But really, if you just like stopped and appreciated the moment of life, you know, like it means so much more. Like there isn't any really standard, any standard that we have set, we've ultimately made up, right? And we've just convinced a lot of people to go along with it. <laughs> well, that, I think that's the, that was the ultimate moral of the movie was, you know, 22 found 
a reason to want to live in in seeing uh the beauty within life you know mm-hmm. the, the the leaf falling from the tree the joy of, of eating a good pizza of of uh you know watching the sunset behind manhattan all those things what living is why we're, we're supposed to be human beings and not human pursuing and human yeah doing things. absolutely the other thing that i love is with the going back to like the terries they do this like the quiet coyote, which you do in like, uh, I don't know if you've ever taught children, but that's like one of the things that they teach you to do to get children to settle down essentially is that everybody has to form like a little wolf with their hand. Be quiet. Uh, we used to play like the quiet game when I was younger, but I, one, I am so confused as to how that works with children. I was like, what is it about that? that somehow in their minds, they're like, oh, oh yeah, that's, we got to do that. Like, I don't understand. Like that to me just blows my mind. Um, All right. It's like Pavlov pavlov's a dog like yeah. you know this symbol means stop talking yeah and it just and that but it is kind of fun yeah you know you look at it it's sort of just like a fun little fun little face you make with your hand yeah. the fact that you can make a mouth and and some horns on your hand that's that's entertaining <laughs> i just like it's incredible i also i do say like that kind of goes back to the thing that you were saying of like these souls are these like babies right and like aren't even like they're they're not even fully developed souls, let alone fully developed bodies that are going, you know, going to be sent down into a body, you know, so it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does kind of freak me out, though, how like techie the world is like they just like can pull down screens and just show I mean, it's so cool. But I am like, I think if I saw somebody in real life, like pull a screen and be like, here, you know, here's some information from like nowhere, right? Just like rip through our dimension and like peek at another dimension or show this like thing, I would like freak out. Like, <laughs> But there, there, you, there you go. It's, it's going back into the whole thing about, you know, a, a multiple dimensions. So like if, if we talked about the first dimension is like a big crunch when everything just collapses in the second dimension when it starts and the third dimension that we live in, we don't even fully understand the layers, like if there are membranes, if there if there are spirits around us, if you know what's really going on in outer space, are there are there aliens? It's it's so big and vast. If if heaven and hell are just like energy realms or, or like a, a spectrum of heat or light or whatever you want to call it, then it's not like it's way out there. It's everywhere. It's right here. So mm-hmm. so there's no reason we should be able to tap in. And that's only the third dimension. Yeah. I have a concept about the fourth dimension because they say the fourth dimension, you look at time as sort of like a a real construct, kind of like how we have height and width and length. Time is like hard like that. So, So I imagine, like, think about yourself from when you were born to when you die and that entire path that you go on and we all go on as an individual. I call that our time worm you know, our entire life from from our birth to our death. So now you start thinking of everybody as their time worm. When they talk about like from far enough away in space, time is relative, like it's already happened. You look at a sun and that that stars already died, that light we're looking at has already happened. Or if you go far enough away and you come back, like thousands of years or more have passed. When we when we sleep, uh, our our eyes are still open. It's our eyelids that are shut and our brain is still working and active. So I have deja vu constantly. And I kind of feel like my subconscious mind is almost traveling along that time worm of myself into experiences that I end up having in the future. 
like it's nothing yeah. ever super significant it's like walking into a 7-eleven and seeing some rando with a green shirt walk past him and be like what's up man i'm like holy shit that happened before <laughs> you know yeah but the like, deja vu yeah yeah like i think mm. there's there's literally something to that now even that's a just a fourth so when you're saying like oh you know how crazy would it be and techie like there's an infinite amount of unknown mm -hmm. that that i don't even think are are no matter like einstein the most brilliant thinkers yeah. could ever comprehend and once you start thinking like oh i think i i can figure it out or get it you've already lost mm -hmm. i know i used to always think too like there's just some moments in life where i'm like in an alternate dimension this went this way right like in an alternate dimension mm -hmm. this relationship didn't end and i'm like they're being married with them, right? And then we got a divorce. And then in Ultimate Dimension, I got this audition, right? And there's like, sometimes I feel like there are alternate versions of me out there, like existing mm -hmm. that, and I'm always like, are we ever going to meet? What will that be like? <laughs> like right, well, yeah. the slide, sliding yeah. doors, right? Yeah. The sliding door moments. No, I, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I think we all have so many of those moments in our life where we know we could have gone left or right or made the other choice and how things would have gone. Like, I often think about myself, uh, I've had so many opportunities to have been way more successful at this point in my life than I am right now, as far as like money or career, mm -hmm. but I would have had to do something that made me uh, question my own integrity. Yeah. Like for, and for, for example, like I could have had way more money. Like I started sitting business administration when I was 17 and after a year and a half, I was like, fuck, fuck capitalism. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is, the, and I was like, this is a long time ago, way before it became, you know, the 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 woke moment that we're in now. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is wrong. This is not how I want to live my life. This mm -hmm. is soul, soul sucking. Or like, I could have gotten into to like porn or something. I was like, these people are all damaged and crazy yeah. and, and chaotic and drug riddled, you know, or committing crime. Like, I'm six, seven. Mm -hmm. I'm probably like 285 right now. Like I've had, I was a bodyguard for a long time. I used to do security mm -hmm. and there were always jobs to be like, Hey, you know, commit this crime or hurt somebody or do this. And we can give wow. you a lot of money. Holy right. And, and, but the thing was, oh yeah, God. but I was always like, I don't want to do that. Like, like even the idea of, of being like a cop or a soldier yeah. or a sheriff or like someone who works in a prison, like, I feel like that would come natural, but I don't want to tap into those parts of myself. And when you're talking about these alternate versions of who you are, I'm like, man, societally, I could have been way further along, but as an energy, as a soul, I don't think I would have been happy with who I would have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the most interesting thing. Cause I think sometimes people too, they run this rat race and they don't realize like, this is a sick society. Like, if when rich people aren't even happy, this means the system isn't working, right. right? Like if there's, when rich people are going and committing crimes, like then something is missing here. Like, or, mm -hmm. if, or if the only way to get rich is to commit crimes, then this is definitely a very, very sick society. Like that needs some inner working and healing. And I definitely think, especially in America, you know, the people are wanting more, uh, are, are wanting more than just, what is currently being offered and wanting to change it, which I understand is scarier, you know, to some of the people who are, have been used to the system and it's frightening. Right. But it's like, clearly this, it's not a perfect system and, and maybe we'll never reach perfection. I don't know if that's possible being human, you know, but I feel like 
we can strive for better, right? I don't think we have to settle. And I, I mean, like, I think about it too, like, I'm scared about this, like, soul tech world, right? But like, the founding fathers of America would have like, lost their goddamn minds at an iPhone, right? Like, it's like, some people right. thought all of these things weren't possible, right? Like, somewhere back in the 1960s, people would have never thought that black people would have had rights, right? That would have been unthinkable, but it happened. And that's like the thing that's like the power of being human too, is like, you can change the trajectory of how things have been like things just because things have been this way and they have stayed the same. Doesn't mean that you can't tweak them for better and consequently also for worse, but yeah, the power of change is incredible. Well, it's also history building upon itself. So like maybe we're getting to a point where we're, we're hitting critical mass of the darkness before yeah. the dawn. Like um, uh, America was built on corrupt principles. And maybe that's the wrong way to say it because I'm, I'm a full-on constitutionalist. Yeah. Like I believe in those writings and those documents and, you know, form a more perfect union. It's not if you love it, leave it. It's like, if you love it, let's strive yeah. to make it better, which is part of why when they're when they're saying like oh you know if um you know gonna protest or this and that they're trying to stop it in states like that's fully fascist like that's not mm -hmm. who we're supposed to be as a people but we came here and literally the the native americans were living in unison with the land you know yeah. they're letting the animals roam they were more nomadic or peaceful they're in these beautiful lush valleys and kind of figured it out and then the, the the colonizers that came, the pilgrims <laughs> and everyone, it's like they they impose their will with the whole idea of, uh, you know, uh, it's not even white saviorism. It, what was it called? Divine, not divine manifestation. What is it where they said, you know, we have the right because. Uh, oh, manifest destiny. Exactly. Is that what you're talking about? Manifest yeah, where they destiny. want the land. Like that's, oh. that's like the most That concept shit. messed me up. Oh yeah. Social Darwinism too, of being like, oh, certain species are better developed than others and they will right. uh, run out and like, oh, it's just, then it got applied to people and it's very, very different. All, uh, yeah. All of it. And then, and then like you're saying, like where, where we've come now with it and, and uh, how the, our society is literally like, it's like become hoarders. These people that have always kind of had access and mm -hmm. benefit or whatever or just kind of succumb to the system as is it's like okay we're going to give you everything so we can kind of keep all this wealth to to the people who are going to subscribe to what we want it to be but at the cost of everyone else that's you know either struggling to to get a piece of the pie or doesn't want to subscribe to those same lack of values yeah so. for sure and it's definitely not fair because I'm somebody like I'm blind in my left eye. So I'm like disabled and there's, you know, like how can you compete, right? Like it's the stuff is designed for somebody very like able-bodied and having all of this stuff. And like a lot of my very Republican family and I'm kind of politically tribeless. I don't really subscribe to either or, but my Republican family believes that, oh, like if you don't struggle, it won't be worth it in the end. And I'm like, I don't know if like struggling for, I honestly feel like the struggle for food and shelter and, and stability is what is causing people to 
commit crimes, to be terrible to other people because there's no foundational aspect. And I'm not saying like everybody deserves, you know, like this top of the line, like TV, right? Uh, You know, but I'm like, I think there should be, it should be easier to come back if you make a mistake, especially in that we're not educated on how the system really is. Like the education that I got in public school was like essentially pretty much worthless. All it taught me was about, uh, and I had like even... Uh, higher education than most because I was in advanced classes but all I knew was like how to research sources so I I now understand like how to find the bias of media and kind of know like when when somebody's talking about something know like how their own personal life experiences reflect on what they are saying right so it's made me like not get too angry or upset when somebody's talking because it's like oh of course if i had done a b c d as they had done right i would probably think this way because this is what my brain has developed into thinking right and and i think there's a whole generation when you're talking about you know your parents or or mm-hmm. this portion of your family like they were i don't know if brainwash is the right word but they were definitely subjected to propaganda i mean even now learning like America, we're not the good guys. We are an entity. We are a nation and nations are, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, by definition, amoral. Okay. Now some are straight up bad, (laughs) but like when, when you think about uh, Mm -hmm. some of these different countries, we're just a superpower. Like I, I, I learned recently, the reason we got into Vietnam was France, France, or uh, the Vietnamese were trying to liberate themselves from uh, France colonizing it and kind of being imperial or being an imperialist nation. And and we got into almost takeover kind of like we had with the Philippines. It's like, okay, you are now, uh, you know, a subject of, of, of America. Kind of like, mm-hmm. I mean, the English were the original imperialist nation, but like France, Spain, uh, England, us, like all these imperialist nations, Japan, like places that went over and tried to take over because they Mm -hmm. wanted more space and more power. Like none of that has ever been cool. I mean, I'm I'm sure it could be somewhat symbiotic if a place doesn't have access to things, but uh, to to be like, oh, we're, we're good and this is what it is because this is how it's always been. It's the same thing like we were talking about before with the, this concept of understanding the afterlife or, or whatever. Uh, once you think you have it figured out, you're already lost. And I think so many adults and also young people, like co- college kids between 18 and 22, you, you're 22, you're like, oh shit, life is over. You know, I'm 23, I'm 25, I'm, I'm, I'm old, I'm an old now, I'm 30. It's like you, you, your, your intelligence and your knowledge keeps multiplying upon itself unless you tell yourself like i i know everything i need to know and i'm not willing to open myself up to new ideas or change my perspective on things uh based on new information that kind of brings us back to to i feel like the sole character of terry because he is so he's so Mm -hmm. such a like a fixated character right like his his whole thing like the abacus of the count is off and he is this thing of like keeping this order and precision, which I think is like something that is very like real worldy, you know, like people don't, they're like, oh, if people did whatever they want, there would just be chaos. And like in this movie, there is kind of chaos because Teach goes, you know, and does the opposite of what most souls do, right? He doesn't accept death. He says, no, I'm going to my gig, right? I'm going to do this. He has that like artistic spirit of rebellion, which poor 22 
who it took me I knew Tina Fey was in this movie and it took me forever to even realize that it was Tina Fey <laughs> I don't even know I had no idea I, I did yeah. not know until until uh you know you had told me that that was Tina Fey uh-huh. I, I did not I didn't even realize that the main guy what was his name I keep calling him Teach I- Jamie Foxx. I don't remember his name. Right. I don't remember his name either. Yeah, I didn't realize that was ideas. Jamie yeah. Foxx right away either. Yeah. I, I knew it was Jamie Foxx. Also, I feel like the animation has like some, they took some similarities of Jamie Foxx's face and put it in Teach. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like an exact replica, but I can see the Jamie Foxx in him. Yeah. Tina Fey's a hard one though, because Tina Fey, I didn't realize is she is so much like her looks and her glasses and the like mom bob haircut, right? So to put her in this mm-hmm. like, animated thing it's it's like wild in a way but yeah poor tina Fey's character she doesn't really want a mentor but to be fair every mentor she's had has like hated her and has honestly been like kind of a terrible mentor like a very terrible teacher to her like gave up on her essentially which i think is so interesting because the success that she finds is in Jamie Foxx's like artistic teacher. Like that's what makes the student being able to learn is this like impassioned, sensitive soul, you know, has this like sort of fire in his soul. Jamie Foxx teacher that, you know, kind of helps her realize the importance of life, which other mentors couldn't do. And these mentors were like very, very successful people. And the irony was it it was happening when he wasn't fully trying. He was just being. Yeah. He was being who he was. And that's more inspiring than, uh, you know, performative teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Which might be why he's teach. They call him teach because he's teaching all the time. He's teaching through his life. But then he ended up learning when 22 took his body and she was just communicating and being Mm -hmm. an open, you know, receptive person, you know, like, like sharing experience. I think that's part of the, the, the beauty and the strength of relationships too, is how much you, you may be full to the brim or, or, or a master of your craft. And then you just meet somebody who has a totally different skill set that you can respect yeah. or didn't even know that uh, you needed. And, and it just literally opens you up to whole other paths in your brain and the way you can mm-hmm. be around people that, uh, you know, help you grow. Exactly. And I think like one of the most interesting things too is we end up going inside Teach's mind and we see that like on the importance of relationships that is like dad got him into jazz, right? And his dad kind of showed him the like beauty of it. And I think in a way... Him being into jazz is honoring his dad, right? Honoring that like bond that you have as a child with your parents that, you know, sometimes you lose over time or and you or you lose when they die. And it's kind of like a remembrance in a way. And also teaching kind of, you know, who knows if his dad wanted to be do something in jazz, but for whatever reason his life circumstances took him a different way. Well, they said that. When when he went to go see his mom in the uh, you know, the seamstress mm-hmm. shop or whatever, the tailor shop. She had said the reason she was so hard on on her son and was worried about him not having a, a pension or some sort of, you know, guaranteed income was because the dad was trying to do that and and failed, yeah. essentially, you know, was never able to have a sustainable income and didn't want her son to go through that same hardship. But he explained that he said he's like, he's like, he's like, mom, he's like, this is life mm-hmm. for me. This is what makes me happy. And it was the irony, and I don't want to jump too yeah. far ahead, is, is is the lesson, the very last scene in, you know, in his yeah. life. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll work our way up to there. that point. It's a hard concept to understand because artists do get rejected a lot. But I think it's like, listen, you don't understand, like, 
when you don't get rejected, when that, that moment when you get the yes, when you get your foot in the door, when you are doing the thing that you love, all of the other rejections are worth it, right? Like they're, I'm not saying that they're not hard. Having that creative fulfillment and sometimes having it validated by others and the collaboration process of working with others is just like, it's so good. It's so good when you treasure it that any of the struggle is always worth it in the end. Right. The journey is the story, mm -hmm. not Absolutely. the destination. You know, when, when you tell people, if you make it, when you make it, you know, mm -hmm. and even what does that mean? Make it when you, when you, yeah, when you become right? part yeah. of the industry is probably a better term. It's sort of like how, when we mm -hmm. say we used to call people who are unhoused homeless forever, it's just what we yeah. used. But now, you know, it is kind of think like, Hey, even if you live in a tent on the side of the LA river, that's your home until you have a house or, or real shelter. Yeah. So it's like calling them unhoused. Like I, I get that now. Same thing. The way we use making it might be unhealthy and it might be just feeding into that same propaganda we've heard our whole lives. Because yeah. if you're pursuing your dream and being your authentic self and, and, and reverberating that to the world, you've already kind of made it. You've made, made it, it further yeah. than so many people who are locked in the dead end job and are fully crush their mm -hmm. own identity or, or, the, or crush their soul, those yeah. dark souls that they're showing in, in the movie too. Yes. That's, that's already there. But, but I was going to say initially though, once, once you get to a point where you achieve your goal, the story, the path, everything it took to get there, that's what people want to hear about. They see what you've done and they admire your achievement, but the person who you know, took that thousand step journey, that 10,000, that million step journey, whatever it is, that's the story of your life. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes that's where you find the story that helps you break through to a bigger audience, like the real authentic thing. I think when you're like very real about your struggles, more people gravitate towards you because so many people today just pretend, you know, and it's really sad. Uh, the other interesting about right. the like, whatever in between Terry zone that they're in is that there's no senses. Like they can't smell, they can't taste, there's no touch, which also just like, I feel like the movie just even blows past the impact of that, of just being like, like that is what it is to be in a body is to have these experiences. And I, it's just like mind blowing. Like I can't think about, I mean, even when I like temporarily lost my sight, when I was dealing with pseudomonas in my eye, it was, it was just a very insane thing. And even now, like my vision is never the same. And that just like that fraction of the vision, how much it has impacted my life is wild. Like we just, I think we truly as humans don't value our senses a lot. And that's like one of the biggest like anxiety hacks too, is just like, is a grounding technique is to be like, okay, name like five things that you can smell, you know, four things that you can touch three things that you can taste, right? And just doing all of this stuff that kind of just keeps you back yeah. because that's like, your human body is just like taking in so much on the daily that we just like, we zone out from because we're used to it at this point. Mm -hmm. And, and my, my mind is going in so many different places right now. Like, <laughs> like I definitely want to get back to uh, not having senses in this, this afterlife that they created and literally maybe 
the afterlife, you know, the way we, we, uh, the way yeah. we describe it or, or the way a lot of Christianity kind of try to describe it when there's like an old mm-hmm. white man with a beard and, and Jesus, and you're up there on the clouds and we're all just people still like, that's so dumb. Oh, I know. Like, like this, this, this version at least was more true to like <laughs> as an energy, energy can't be created or destroyed. That's physics. Okay. So if as an energy that manifests mm-hmm. and that, uh, animates our bodies, is going to transcend. And I always say, go to like energy. That might be the uh, hierarchy when they talk about a, a, a celestial hierarchy or like the the seven or nine gates of hell or you know the realms of hell that you can go into. I think it has to do with, as an energy, we're, we're channeling it, where that wavelength we're creating in us is, is getting tightened. It's turning to a, a higher frequency or we're, we're not, uh, exhibiting any restraint and we die without having any sort of, uh, energy within us because we've, we sort of wasted it all or blown it all, uh, here before we, we die. But, but with, without senses, like as a, as a, as an energy, as a spirit, like it might be a fully different capacity of an ex- a fully different experiential process. Like, I don't think we can comprehend what that is, you know, the, the piece of it. Like I heard a, a term, someone said, the dead quickly forget the living. So, yeah. So I, I, you know, you're just in a whole other realm, which is why I think when people try to communicate with spirits and whatnot on earth, that's never, mm-hmm. or I should say that's rarely, I don't know, your, you know, grandma or grandpa that's wants to communicate with you. Cause if they're in a better place, like they're not trying to to fuck around and, and, you know, talk to you through the Ouija as much as some random spirits or some darker energies that, that are like, Oh yeah, let's you know, what's going on over here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like that some, like there's like one girl that I was like following and she was talking about how her, she believes that her grandmother communicates through her through like ladybugs and stuff. Like, and I do feel like, you know, like you have relationships and they value. And I was like, I, I don't know if I was like an angel in heaven, I'd probably send like some things down to the people that I left on earth, you know? Well, they say, they say, well, and that's the whole thing we said too, where like if heaven and hell are everywhere around us, like membranes, like you don't go somewhere like a specific place, you go to a specific wavelength, but that wavelength is still everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's still like we're, we're part of it. That's why we don't, get the whole concept of how light and sound and uh heat energy signatures all these things ultraviolets infrareds and all the other spectrum of light that is happening all around us are are fully composed and and what it uh you know what all of its properties are we only know the the levels that science has tried to explain and the rest is kind of metaphysical and spiritual but but also (laughs) the other thing i was thinking of when you talked about senses covid when people got COVID and they lost their sense of smell and taste. Mm-hmm. Some people for like months and some people, I don't know if like oh, they're ever going to get it fully back. That's, yeah. that's terrifying in and of itself. Yeah. That should have been enough. They should have used that to be like, Hey, uh, anti-maskers, do you want to be able to taste your food? You know, wear a mask. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. That's, I feel so bad for anybody who struggles with that. That's like terrible. Another thing that is also very terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scary, lost souls honestly they freaked me out in this movie i was legitimately like in terms of like 
is this a kid's movie? If I had children, I would be like, hold them close during this because there are they are freaky. And I definitely feel like though, it is like a good job because I feel like that is having been somebody who's like struggled with mental health. It is kind of what anxiety and depression feel like is this like, mm. you're just kind of lost in your own world and everything is very dark and you're looking at the ground a lot. And the weight, like, the weight of it all. Yes, the weight. Yeah. And just like, and that, and that's the whole thing is like, and you know that inside you, there's the real you and you're just like caked with all of this darkness, mm. all of this other bullshit that you've had to like put on as the sort of defensive armor that is also hurting you. And and I, honestly, I, I identified where, where you saw it and, and thought it was scary. And I think kids like getting scared to a point. Mm -hmm. They like, they like getting scared in a safe way. I'm not talking about like, you know, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't put on a Freddy Krueger mask <laughs> and, and, and jump out in front of your four-year-olds in the middle of the night yeah. in, their, in their, in their room or anything like that. But, but in the sense of in a movie, the bad guy, this, that, something a little in a, in a safe way. Then again, I brought one of my little sisters to see, uh, I think, Maleficent when the first one came mm -hmm. out. And she definitely Peter Pants. <laughs> like there were parts that she was just like, because it was in 3D too. Oh, and, yeah. And there was part that she was just like, oh, hell no. You know, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not a, a kid's film. I am, uh, I do not know how to be oh, a, a good you know, parent or brother or uncle. Live oh, it's so funny. Yeah. But that then I so peed funny. my pants in solidarity, so it all worked out. <laughs> Peeing in the pants club. That's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Peeing in your pants is the coolest. <laughs> I know. I love that movie. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, one of my other favorite things is when the CEO Wall Street guy realizes how messed up it is and he, like – gets out of the like lost soul thing. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> you know what? Sorry. I, I, just to go back really quick before we even get oh, into yeah, that sure. uh, on the, cause I, I, I suffer with uh, depression. I was diagnosed with mm -hmm. as clinically depressed a long time ago and they had put me on, uh, for, they tried going through a litany of different pills. Like first they were trying oh, yeah. like Wellbutrin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were like, try this Wellbutrin. How do you feel? And I was like, I feel nothing anymore. And they're like, oh, yeah. let's get you off that. And then they're like, try this uh, Effexor. And I took that and I was like, doc, these are drugs. Like literally I felt every arm hair mm -hmm. blowing in the breeze. And I was like staring at the light through the trees. And I was like, I'm scared to drive on this. Like this is, yeah. I, I flushed them down the toilet. I'm like, you are giving me like hardcore drugs. Like I can't handle this. And uh, finally they were like, okay, try Zoloft. And I was like, how's that? And I'm like, meh. And they're like, perfect. Cause I was like, you want to go out? all right rather than no i do not and i did that for yeah. years while i was kind of going through therapy and it did help and was necessary with therapy at the time but after two years of therapy and whatnot i ended up taking myself off and now i still kind of feel that weight that they were uh showing you know the negative self-talk mm -hmm. the voices in my head from the past whether it be from family or people i cared about or the recognition of mistakes I've made, or the self-doubt, uh, and the angst for not being where I want to be. And a lot of that comes from want and expectations that I put on myself and lack of appreciation and a lot of the themes that they were trying to get to in the movie. So I thought it was a very honest and thoughtful depiction of depression and anxiety and being, a, being kind of a lost yeah. soul in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have so much to say about the way that they put meds on for anybody with anxiety. Like, I feel like I'll, I'll meet and every time that I've had a therapy session, it's like within an hour, they already want to get me on a sort of drug, which I've had like history of like, 
they have not worked and I've been on like almost all of them Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just like for me it just wasn't working and yeah it's just insane to me that it's like I don't even know if I can successfully tell my life story in an hour and then, but you know how to diagnose me an hour. And for me, I think the most interesting for you was like, your doctor was like, oh, you feel nothing. Let's get you off of that. A lot of my doctors that I had were like, oh, you feel nothing. That's a great starting place to work from. And it was like, wow. <laughs> like yeah. oh my God. But then we meet the cool, I'm calling him Captain Nobody. I don't remember what his name is, but he's, he's really actually like one of those like crazy blissed out drug guys on the streets that you see. Um, But he's got this crew of like mystics and spiritual people in Bali who are meditating. And he's on this like ship that they call, you know, that's like, they're like kind of exploring the zone, which is like, I guess this like creative zone. It's kind of hard to explain, but I, but I get it. Like I I definitely know like, oh yeah, I've been there when I saw it. Cause it's like, it's this weird thing is like when I'm performing, like, I mean, like, you know, you prepare and you're conscious when you prepare for your choices, but then when you do it, you like let it go. And it's like, it is this weird, like out of body experience. It's bliss. It's finding your yeah. bliss. That's the, so, so, you know, he, he had found his bliss in spinning the sign, listening to his music yeah. in his headphones. You can find it meditating. You can find it in performance, whether it be music mm-hmm. or art or painting or theater, you know, what whatever uh, your particular skill set has for you. But but uh, the zone is your bliss. It's it's when you're most at peace and happiness mm-hmm. and you're just resonating on this frequency and people see that and they're attracted to it. You know, they want they want to be close to that energy. As opposed, yeah. as opposed to the last guy who, who you were talking about, who works at the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the hedge fund guy who, yeah. who you know, was, it was so, it's yeah. soul sucking. You have no connection. You're, you're, yeah. you, you, you take away the dignity of others and everyone is commodified. Yeah. And it, what's so interesting is, is like, there's such a fine line between like that bliss and that passion and enjoyment of life. And then obsession of things that like don't feed your soul, but you think that they you think you're supposed to do them. So you do them like almost like a obsessive compulsive disorder of like, you're just doing it because you feel like you have to not really because you want to. Right. But are you talking about like the pursuit of materialism? Or are you talking about certain relationships that you cultivate because you're told you're supposed to? I think both in a, a lot of ways. I think like obsession can come into both of those. I think there's definitely people too, like, you know, there's those obsessive psychopathic people who it's like the other, their significant partner does not want to be with them, but they have, you know, built this life with them in their head about how it's supposed to go. And they like want to control it. And it's this, like, it's such a weird thing. Cause it's like, some people would be like, Oh, that's passionate. This psychopath just like really cares about this person, but really it's obsession. Cause it's not it's like devoid of love because love I think also is about listening to another person, right? Or listening to your own self, like listening to an outside an outside and also inward source of like what is wrong and right. Like I guess your soul, you know? Well, you I think you hit the nail on the head. The opposite of love isn't hate. Mm-hmm. Cuz you can hate someone because you've been hurt by them because yeah. you love them and they rejected you so now you hate them that's still a, a form of an offshoot from love the opposite of hate is control yeah like regardless if someone wants to control you and you're in a relationship with them they don't love you they don't know how to love 
That's not love. Love is letting someone be their authentic self. For sure. Absolutely. Then basically Teach ends up getting back into his body, but it goes a little awry because this is a Pixar film and it's always going to be a little wacky. So uh, the thing that makes me laugh is when the cat is going to heaven. That cracks me up every time. Um, I was first worried because my cats are like definitely very bad i was yeah. like oh no what if this cat doesn't have a soul that would be very interesting <laughs> it's also very yeah it's very interesting that it just bumped that cat's soul like his soul took precedence over the cats yeah very interesting how that all worked out i also thought it was very funny too when he like doesn't know how to work a cat body right at all because this is not the body that he's used to well also when when it's funny because like remember that there was a movie a long time ago all dogs go to heaven yes I, love I think movie. that a lot of times people don't even understand like what 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 it, what is a soul by definition you know people don't even understand the concept mm -hmm. because I think if you're a living thing if you have a spark of life in you I think that spark of life is your soul you know the rest is it's just sort of animating but but how far does that extend because they're like oh that's for people yeah. well why is it why would it not be for the cow or the pig or the dog or a cat like they're alive they're thinking you're telling me a dolphin and a whale don't have a soul and then how far do we take that because plants are alive so d does a tree have a soul does the flower have a soul you tell me the hummingbird mm. doesn't have a soul like I, I think anything that's alive that has that spark of the divine in them that spark of energy that manifests it that yeah that is a soul for sure I definitely agree so poor teach is now a black man in a hospital gown with a cat on the streets of New York. It's not looking good. He meets up with the crazy sign guy to kind of like, you know, get some information and, and figure out how to get back into his own body. Can we just can we just take a moment to appreciate those sign know, spinning right? people? Like that that looks really hard. Some people really, really, they're like so good at it. It's it's almost like it's an a art. Right. It's like the it's like a hula hoop at a, the rave or whatever. Like or people who have those those flags or bands or anything. Yeah, they're, they're the color there. guard, yeah. Oh my God, they're out there rocking those signs. So no. shout, out, shout out to the sign spinners. Yeah. For sure. I can't even like catch a ball, you guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm struggling. I'm, teach me. I, I want to take a sign spinning class. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a good workout. Like honestly, they should yeah. have that like as an really? option. Like at home, you know, you're watching your at-home video, your sign spinning workout. <laughs> Amazing. But then poor Teach, the jazz singer that hired him, sees him in the hospital gown eating pizza with a cat on the streets of New York. My and... dream. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, right. Honestly, that's my biggest thing is like, I don't think that I would have, I wouldn't have taken this gig away. I would have been like, oh, what's up? Right? Like, I would have been like, this is interesting. Right? I was like, I'm sure there's a story mm -hmm. here. Uh, I would want to know it. But yeah, she automatically, she must have been burned before because she is like, okay, you can't, I'm not having you at my gig. I'm going to just assume that you're a crazy person. Well, where's the line? Because yeah. I, I love an eccentric, you know? Yeah. I'm an eccentric. I, I, I love <laughs> a lot of eccentric people. But uh, it's a fine line between eccentric and crazy. Like crazy to me, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we throw around crazy too often. Crazy to me, like uh, sure. if, if you're unhoused and living on the street you're not necessarily crazy you could be very down on your luck you know and and if you are incredibly eccentric you're not necessarily crazy crazy to me you can see crazy in the eyes 
<laughs> you know, you can, you're like, okay, yeah. crazy to me seems a little, a little dangerous. Like you lack empathy, you know? So, so when I see someone in the hospital gown mm -hmm. with a cat, first off, I have two cats and uh, they're leash trained. Okay. They go outside. They do all that. Yeah. I, I, I love the person yeah. like in New York, you have a lot of bodega cats just out there too. I love a person who just has a cat and rocks them on their shoulder and walks around mm -hmm. like, like that's, that's a fun person. Uh, the, the yeah. hospital gown, eating the pizza on the street. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe that's three strikes. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe two are okay. The hospital gown, yeah. like, especially if it's like, if it's butt, if it's butt out it's in the back, upsetting. that might be, that might be the straw, you yeah, know? Yeah, that is the straw, I think. That is true. That's true. But maybe it's a performance piece, you know? I don't know. Right. Oh, that would be, exactly. that's my argument. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But what I do like, and I think is the power of like teach and it's just passion in which that he does thing is that the student that got him this gig, he taught this one student who got him the gig and then goes to fight with for him even against this boss. So he's made an impact on students before. Like, so he's good at this job. And I think that's the thing that I wish some artists would see is like, okay, so maybe you're not like, you know, an A-list or movie star, but where is the impact that you can make in your daily life? Because that is just as important. It's nonstop. You constantly yeah. make an impact. This is the first time you and I have ever had a conversation at length. And I can promise yeah. you the things you're telling me are impacting me and will forever change yeah, the way here. I go forward, you know? So every time yeah. you have an interaction with anybody and you share ideas when you're being true and honest and speaking from your heart, you, you can't not impact them unless they completely lack empathy and are unwilling to listen. Mm -hmm. Like you said, listening is so important. And I think a lot of people speak waiting for the opportunity to talk themselves. Yeah. And, but I think part of uh, the difference in, in like the Western culture and, and the Eastern cultures a lot has been Western cultures are very dialogue driven, the exchange of ideas between people, mm -hmm. you know, and depending where you're at regionally, you may not be exposed to that many different types of cultures, but in, in areas where you have a lot of different cultures and religions and, you know, gender identity and whatnot, that exchange of ideas really impacts and changes the way your brain works like the way it functions going forward, uh, where in the Eastern cultures, I think it's very monologue driven because of respect, you know, the way you're taught respect. So, yeah. so someone, you know, whether it be a parent or your boss or whoever holds the power, they may give a, what, what am I trying to say? Like a monologue that has a, a very specific moral or message that they're trying to convey. And then you just sort of like take that and absorb it. You know, where, where it's not like, okay, but here's what I think about it. It's like, I'm not asking mm. you what you think about it. I want to give you this, you know, kernel of wisdom. And I want you to try to absorb it into your being going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Teach goes home because he has to get a suit and, you know, needs to like show that he is a respectable person. And this was just a very, very bad, interesting day. But of course, uh, because 22 is still figuring out his body, she ends up ripping his pants, which means that he has to go to his mom's, who just oof, is 
is rough on him. Really, really, really tough on him. I, I did respect. I respected the red heart boxer shorts. I thought yeah. those were, were a nice touch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, the mom, like whatever lines that she says, she's like, you don't need a rescue cat. What you need is to rescue your career, which oof, you know, and she, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah he's got cutting. a gig even too. And it's so hard when you have those parents where it's like nothing you do is going to be good enough for them. Cause they, in, in a weird way, like I'm sure the mom is in some extent like a really good mom, but too, there is like, she's trying to control her son and make him be somebody that she wants him to be instead of who he is, right? And I wonder too if like, that's the thing that I wish more right. parents mm -hmm. knew is like that love that you give to the child can be the success, right? Can be the success that they manifest. If they, I think having a parent that has those doubts in your head, well, you carry those around as a kid. You, you can't help it. You're like, you literally came from your mom too. You know what I mean? Like you are attached that way. So you hold that stuff in your brain. Yeah. And so- if you don't have an encouraging family, like it's people just, you know, write that out of the window of like, oh, whatever, like I'm, I'm saving them from the real world. And it's like, really, you're hurting them because it's like some things are so impossible just because maybe you can't see them doing it doesn't mean like if this person can see themselves doing it, they'll be able to do it because they'll know they'll be able to see it. They'll be able to see the steps. They'll always be optimistic. They'll be able to fail and, and learn from their failures and then go up from there. Completely, completely agree. I, I'm 42 years old right now, and it's only within the last year, maybe, where I realized so much of the depression that I had in me was because I have a sadness, a lingering melancholy that has to do with my feelings towards my mom in the sense of I, mm -hmm. I, I wish that she uh, took better care of herself mentally, physically, yeah. whatnot, these things that she just, and, and she may not be able to, like, it, it may be something where it's a, you know, if it's a mental illness, or if it's some sort of block that's just in there from, you know, childhood trauma or whatnot but that mm -hmm. that stays with me and and i don't know how to really shake that and and then uh another part of me is just so yeah. angry all the time like this rage i carry this rage and that has to do with my feelings towards mm. my father and because you know yeah. i come from a broken home and it's like why wasn't he there when i I needed more guidance as a child when I needed. Wow, you're like, yeah, you know? <laughs> you're like the first person I've met who I've, I have both mommy and daddy yeah. issues. And that's like putting it simply. But yeah, it really does feel like that. And I have very few people to talk to about it because, you know, the family is such an idolized thing in American society. And you're not really supposed to talk bad about like, right, like if you if you share any misgivings, especially from your mom, right, like you're kind of thought as a terrible person for feeling that way like your parents did so much for you if you at least had a house and food and shelter and you know like there's so much shame and I think even admitting the like negative impact that broken homes come from because it is like a reality of like well then we have to address that like hey you know like broken homes are very damaging right and there is this thing of like when there isn't stability in the house that it that it does cause like a ripple effect and it's you know, it's not meant to shame. I understand that like life circumstances happen, you know, but at the same time, there is like a damaging effect. I think just uh, putting it on broken homes is an oversimplification. Yeah. Like when sure. I when I think you hear these people that are, are like now, you know, the, the hardcore conservative right is saying like, you know, first they're saying marriage mm. was between a man and a woman. Now they're trying to, you know, take away 
trans rights and whatnot because they're saying, hey, this is yeah. not what it was. It's like, if you how, raise your hand, if, if you got fucked up by a traditional home, you know, you, you had a mom and a dad, and, and I'm pretty sure yeah. everyone has their issues because they're just humans or just people. And, and mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, people used to get married a lot younger. It might be your first relationship and then you change or you weren't ready for that sort of commitment. Yeah. Well, and also back in the day, you didn't understand trauma. Like we, this understanding trauma and we're getting like more and more honest about mental health, which is, I think, very, very prevalent and good. Like, but that wasn't like psychology is a relatively new study. It's a very, very new science. So it's really hard to like, like some of these people, your mom may have not known how to take care of herself because she was also just never taught or even given the permission or that was just something that you're just supposed to know how to do, you know, um, right. and not everybody operates at that level. So yeah, it's there's so many layers to that. Yeah. Well, not just that. I think for generations and generations, they're just trying to survive, you know, mm -hmm. whether they were going through Vietnam, the Korean War, World War Two, World War One, you know, <laughs> going back further, the Civil War, this and that, yeah. you know, there are all these things where you're just trying to get by. And and definitely the way we're treating women, and minorities yeah. and, and everyone it's just no Terrible. one had full autonomy right you, you weren't treated mm -hmm. with 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 the, the right amount of respect so now we're at a point and this might be happening more so in america than other places where we spent all this time kind of being i don't know if selfish is the right word but self-absorbed or really taking yeah. the time self-serving yeah right so well and we have isolated ourselves more it's more about which i don't think works i think we need community more than ever but we've been like, oh, I can do it all myself, right? That's like now a badge of honor. And honestly, it's like kind of sad. It was like, I think you missed the whole point of life if you did it all by yourself, right? Like, Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the other voice though in my head, because like I said, I, I have those issues, mom and dad issues for sure. Mm -hmm. But then I remember like uh, one of my longest relationships before my marriage, I was with, uh, you know, this this. I don't know. She was 18 to 25 at the time. Am I allowed to say? Yeah, girl, I think you're young, fine. I don't really lady, care about that, but yeah. You know, um. <laughs> you know but, but like she, she was one of the first truly supportive influences in my life mm. where that voice is kind of like, you know, when they talk about the little angel and, and devil on your shoulders, Yeah. the devil voice that was like, no, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. You're, mm -hmm. you know, a piece the of negativity. shit, whatever it is. Yeah that was kind of like my dad's voice, but in my head. Mm -hmm. And then the positive one was kind of like her. So this is the whole thing like, and I haven't spoken with her once, once I got into my relationship now, who, who's now my current wife, I realized at a certain point, even though she was my best friend, it wasn't fair to maintain that relationship with her because it was painful to her, you yeah. know, that I wasn't with her. And, and the kindest thing I could do was cut it, cut it off, even though, you know, I miss her, but that voice, stays with me yeah and i think that's the same thing when someone dies like just because they're not physically there anymore when you make that impact when you're able to teach and impart your wisdom and your your specific and unique voice with someone in this world they are forever with you they never go away yeah absolutely yeah one way or the other one way yeah, or the other. So Tina Fey, 22, doesn't want to give Teach's body back too, speaking of uh, never going away. But Teach kind of just like comes at her and is very much, I think this is honestly kind of sad thinking on Teach's part, but 
he believes that his life is about to start with this gig because it's a very big gig. But to me, I argue like your life has already started and has right. honestly had a big impact. But anyway, he gets his body back, but kind of messes up 22 mentally, unfortunately. Why Why? Why do you think that, that the character was called, Tina Fey's character was called 22? I didn't get that. 22 is an angel number, I know. There's like a repetition. I, I don't know the exact thing, but... I know when you see 22, it's often about like blessings or balance. I have to look it up. Well, maybe let me look it up really quick because it is a pretty cool because, you know, like there's this whole superstition thing of like repeating numbers mean something. Right. Yeah, th- those are the things like I understand teach. There's a metaphor in, in his character yeah. being called teach, but I didn't yeah. get 22. I didn't get why the majority of the, the little 2D uh, yeah. angels or whatever were, were called Jerry's or no? Or were they Terry's? No, no, they were Jerry's. Jerry's. Wait, there wait, Jerry's what? and there's one Terry, right? And yeah, there's there one Terry, and the Terry is yeah. negative. I'm like, what is the significance here? Because I I know there's nothing that generally goes into a script that's purely accidental. It's you know thought especially over. at this level, right? Yeah, at this level, right? Same thing. Like, what did it mean when that that one spirit said, uh, you know, this this is weirder than the the dream I had about the walrus or whatever? Yeah. You know, this beats my dream about the walrus. Like, what? What is this all about? Is that just like a... a... Yeah. I mean, for me, this is what I think. I think Terry is about terrible because he was supposed to be kind of like the antagonist. And so I think Jerry was just like, maybe in terms of like a joyful, terrible. I think it was mostly about the pun of the names because it's like, oh, these are supposed to be like... Well, airy. Airy works like A-I-R-Y. Like this is an airy thing. But so then what... So if Terry Mm -hmm. was like the terrible airy, then all the Jerry's... Or like, we're just airy, you know? Yeah, we're just, yeah. And then, I don't know why, whenever I see, like, Walrus in the way that context was, I somehow just thought of the Beatles song. And I thought it had just something to do with I Am The Walrus. But that's see, just and I, me. I was, well, I was looking online, and a lot of the stuff was yeah. like, oh, remember the Walrus and the Carpenter from Alice in Wonderland? Yeah, and that's think, the other one I would have said, yeah. I think they missed the boat, though. Like, I don't mm-hmm. see the correlation. Like, I know, okay. yeah. That's 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 a stretch. It was a flyover. Yeah, it was. Yeah, just a. It could also be about you know uh uh there there are things like in in Zen, where um I don't know what they call it a not an own but like uh a parable that doesn't necessarily mean something deep, but you just like meditate on it and it's a way to kind of transcend. So like, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm dreaming about the walrus and you're meditating and you're like. You're breathing in and out and you're like, in your mind, you're saying, I will, I'm dreaming about the walrus. Like that, that's not something logical per se. And it can maybe get you to like this weird meditative state, Yeah. but I don't understand why they did it. And maybe that's kind of the point. Maybe I don't need to fully understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going back to the number 22, it's like a master angel Mm -hmm. number. And I guess it symbolizes like intuition, emotions, balance, diplomacy, harmony, adaptability, redemption, personal power, idealism, evolution and expansion, service and duty, philanthropy, all of that stuff, which kind of is 22 is very emotional. I think there is like an evolution of her character. Obviously she between her and teach, they change the most out of all the other characters that are in this. But yeah, teach then he's back in his body and he ends up appreciating life more. He's still teaching and living in New York and, and playing music. But poor 22 is now a lost soul 
And he doesn't learn this until he gets into a groove. And he then, you know, feels obligated to save 22 because she, you know, helped him get his body back, essentially. But 22 is, like, lost. Like, she, like, throws baby souls at him at one point. Like, it is it is bad. <laughs> it's not good. Who hasn't thrown a baby soul know, once right? or twice in their life? When you are so mad, you throw baby souls at your... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then, literally, she, like, then eats him. And then he's, like, inside of this lost soul. And he sees her. And she's crying and saying that she's not good enough. And I, like... Oh, this hit me so hard. It was so. Can I, I can so I interject bad. something really quick? Sure. She she doesn't eat him. Her grief eats him. Yeah, that's she, true. She's just that little thing inside of her grief. Yeah. Her grief has grown so great that it, it keeps growing and growing and growing until finally it eats him, and then she sees all the aspects of her grief, including him being the final the final nail in the coffin that put her over the edge. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, it's such a testimony too to like the impact of like bullying or like the negative things that you say to a person, how they can just like really get stuck in the brain. And, it, and it, I don't understand what it is about human beings that sometimes the negative things get stuck in some people's brains more than the positive things about them right but honestly in what we've seen of 22's journey I don't know if anybody has said a lot of positive things about her right it seems like most people have just kind of written her off as that she wasn't ever going to be anything right kind of written her off as like a loser or destined to fail so she doesn't have anything to counteract so okay so 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 but in, in life when whether it be ourselves or we come across these people these negative people these these downer people and i mean you you might just come across someone like that online that you don't even know that well how are we supposed to act because it's one thing to say hey i'm going to be the bigger person the better person whatever it may be but that's hard it's hard if someone is uh an energy suck a, 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 a spiritual vampire yeah so that 22 character especially at the time was just fully negative almost or chaotic and and I don't know if it was a she or he, it was a they, right? All those souls are kind of, mm-hmm. right, are kind of androgynous, like uh, didn't want to be loved or cared for or, or go down to earth. So I don't know how you can respond to that type of energy without coming off as negative or or even though they might be self-sabotaging themselves, I don't know how to be kind unless that's really just your nature. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a challenge in that. I don't know if anybody has fully figured out the answer. And I think every person is different, right? I mean, when somebody is that much of like an energy suck, like you've got to get them out of basically like the grief monster they're in. You've got to get them be able to see you in order to hear you, right? Like in order to take you in and really listen. And sometimes too, I think a lot of it is just a matter of repetition, right? Like if you keep showing there and you keep showing up as much as their grief is showing up, right? Like eventually then they're going to have to, you have as much weight. It's just like, yeah, it's just a really hard battle. Cause I mean, part of it is to get yourself out of it. It is a you choice. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I'm a big advocate for, you know, getting out of abusive relationships and stuff. And my biggest thing that I I usually tell um, people who are struggling that is that, listen, like, the person who is abusing you, he has to want to change. And until he, or or she, she, yeah, it goes both ways, but they have to want to change. And until they do, right, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say to change it. There's nothing, there is no amount of behavior that you can do that will influence them 
you know, it's it's a personal choice and that's what's really hard about it, right? Like And codependency is part of the problem. I oh, think yeah. if you're if you're used to being treated a certain way or if you're stuck in a moment of trauma that's happened to you and you keep putting yourself in that situation because you almost believe that's how you're supposed to feel or you don't know how to get past mm -hmm. that feeling. That's your not comfort zone, but that's your landing, your landing pad. So I think you're right where you're saying other people, the, the person, the victimizer has mm -hmm. to make the changes themselves. And if that person's not willing to make those changes, I don't see how you can help them except for getting out of their life and, and letting them see yeah. that the way they behave is not going to be tolerated by someone who has a, a higher sense of, of dignity and expectations for themselves or else you're just codependent. Yeah. And that just helps a, you know, helps the emotional abuse helps like so many other aspects so that they can continue going on and how they want to. But, or yeah, finding yeah, more, exactly. a new victim. But it is, I think very important. What this movie does say is that, how words can heal because that's like what teach does i really do believe that a lot of people are depressed because people weren't kind to them for a, for a repeated amount of time right and whether that has made them also unkind as depression often does somebody taking the time to to be sweet and to be kind can really change somebody's life like i know that i wouldn't be where i was today if somebody hadn't fought for me in a certain way, you know what I mean? Like believed in me even when I was struggling to believe in myself. And those moments can't be not accounted for, you know what I mean? Their importance can't be diminished. We can all take, I think, a book, especially in this like rage that we've become in with this like political warfare that we're like raging on each other as Americans that the kindness of our words and I, I'm understanding like you know like yeah don't let anybody abuse you you know what I mean don't take somebody's crap right but also like there is this amount of just like maybe realizing that everybody's not your enemy right sometimes people are just enemies of themselves and just all you can do is be you know legitimately kind and good and follow whatever standard of life that you believe in well especially with with online culture too mm. like i think it's so it's so easy to not think about that person as a as a, a human being with their their own issues and whatever and 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 the way the algorithms are generally set up on social media you're funneled into these echo chambers or or they're there's directly you know having your your home screen be these keywords of triggering uh, thoughts or ideologies, whether it may just be someone trolling, you know, for the lulls. Uh, yeah. Which but is but what I like to think about too, right. What I like to think about is, uh, you know, when you're driving down the street, every set of headlights is a person with their own unique set of stories where they're the, the star, they're the center of their universe. Yeah. Every single person you ever see, you know, driving their car past you, billions, millions of people in a lifetime. And they're going through their own thing just like you. So to try to maintain that sense of of dignity in the way you interact with people. And if you can't do that, especially online, like, you know, only speak if you're going to improve upon the silence or maybe just try to take yourself off unless you're trying to uh, do something specifically you think you need to do to further your yourself. And I used to be, you know, 10 years online all the time. And I'm only now at a point where I'm like, okay, maybe I can back off. Mm -hmm. Someone had said, think of these three things before you, you know, shoot off yeah. a tweet or, or get online. First thing you need to ask yourself, does this need to be said? 
Okay, yes or no. Let's say you're like, yes, second question. Does this need to be said by me? Yes or no? Okay, if that's still yes. Okay, does this need to be said right now? And if you can answer all those in the affirmative, put it out there into the world. But if you're just sort of like stroking your own ego, then then what are you doing? You're, you're, you're wasting everyone's time and, and you're not making the world uh, a better yeah. place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've heard that before. And part of my thing is like, well, where does this come with like humor? Because I was like, I guess I don't need to be funny, right? But it's nice to be like, it's nice to try to be funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, jokey right? jokes? No, no, no. <laughs> jokey jokes need to be said, okay? No, no, no. That's to- totally different, okay? If we're talking... If we're playing, yeah. if we're joking around, then yeah, you need to say yeah. that, and you need to say it right now. So uh, it, it's helpful. I feel absolutely. Like. Yeah, oh, I love it. I've had my bad days have gone to good days just because of so many stupid memes online, where it's like I just see something funny, and it's like you get cheered up, and you you close the phone, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna work on that thing I was procrastinating on. Now that I've had a good laugh, you know. Well- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's the opposite. Like, yes, <laughs> you need to put that out there. If you're you're raising people's serotonin and oxytocin, oxytocin is that even a thing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just saying you're you're you that's helpful. Yeah, you, you're doing a service. Humor, humor helps the world. It doesn't always land sometimes. I think, especially when you're like still figuring out like who you are as a comedian, or you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, and that's like you know, then you just. Sorry for that joke. Try another joke. Like, I think that's And you know part, what? Yeah. Let's go ahead and expand yeah. that out to maybe some of these thirst traps. Keep putting out these thirst traps, folks. I don't know. I think you should. I honestly think what's what's the point? Like, there's so much self-hatred in, like, body types and, like, inner beauty. Like, what you should celebrate. Why not celebrate how you look, right? Life's too short. Like, I don't care. You could be 80 and have a thirst trap. I don't give a fuck, right? That, like, absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah. That's what I'm that, – look, that that's, that's fine. Yeah. Just put, you know – Put it out there. Ah. Go go ahead. That, yeah. that that is helping us all. Because it's just it's confidence. That's like such a nice thing to see. But yeah. So basically, the movie then ends. They give twenty two right. another chance at Earth. They give Teach another chance on Earth because they are like happy that he helped inspire twenty two. And then they work it out with T- Terry, right? Because the rest of them are Jerry's. Terry by just switching the abdicus counter when his back was turned. Uh, it's not great that they lied to him, but whatever. I already know that Christians will hate this movie because it does everything that they uh, don't like, which I thought was, this is honestly very interesting for Disney to make this choice because I feel like they are, although my aunt will argue, uh, my very Republican Christian aunt will be like, Disney isn't Christian, mm-hmm. but I feel like the majority of people would associate Disney with being Christian. At least that's how I was brought Walt, up. Walt yeah. Disney was a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah. Uh, oof. Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just and throwing that true. dead fish out there it for a second. True. But I've you know. never not been completely unwoke to like the dark side of Disney uh, by any means. Especially like the way that some of the child stars turn out. There, there's a bunch of questions. Like, there's more to Shia LaBeouf than we even know. You know what I mean? Like, there, something went amiss there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's very interesting because it's like, oh, so you're gonna just like, are you just embracing mm-hmm. like, okay, we're gonna be like villain Disney now? We're like, you know, because I feel like they've made such this reputation because that's the thing about Disney, right? Like, oh, if somebody was caught with naked pictures, right? Well, we have to fire them for Disney. That's not our brand. We can't have that. But it's like, you are kind of dark. Like you have done some sort of messed up things. You had Eddie Murphy in one of your movies and Eddie Murphy is like crazy stand up. Yeah, yeah. Miramax is owned by Disney. Yeah. Miramax made Pulp Fiction when it was owned by Disney. 
So it's just, it's just, it's literally about branding. You know, they're trying to make as much money as possible. However yeah, they can. that's it. I, I don't know. It's like, I don't I didn't even look at this movie as, I mean, I guess it's, it's anti-Christian depending on what denomination uh, you, you really subscribe to. But it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't immoral in any way. I mean, they already made Coco, which was all about you know the the Day of the Dead, and this is Pixar too. Pixar is yeah. is a, a branch or a subdivision of Disney, yeah. but I think they, they're doing a different thing than you know traditional Disney animation. For sure, yeah, I still liked it. I mean, Disney yeah. made Song of the South. Yeah, <laughs> like 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 oh, come on, I Disney. Wish they're, they're, they're... So badly want to watch that not to support it but to understand why they're so scared like they're literally they took off zippity doodah as a song they like yeah. removed that from the parks and it's like i want to know i'm like i i you never saw it no i've never seen it i think i've seen like okay clips I'll, of it. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you borrow it i have a bootleg dvd oh my god thank you because i would love to review it because i also kind of think it's wrong i mean it's such a hard thing i think it's wrong to hide a racist movie because i think there's something to be learned from how that it was racist right like i for me mm -hmm. it feels immoral to Oh, let's pretend that it didn't happen. Like, cause that—that's like basically saying let's pretend slavery didn't happen. So it's discrediting all of this stuff. Or take the money that you would make right. on these rewatches of Song in the South, right, and donate it to a cause, right? Donate it to a black cause. Yeah. Uh, like, it just seems so dumb. Uh, I hate it, but yeah. No, there there has to be a reckoning based in in an honest evaluation of what was yeah. going on. They made a literal tar baby in that movie. <laughs> They, they, but they Dumbo put a, with the a, Jim a, Crows is still, you can still rest, yes, but exactly. that's fine. Like, and that is a, woo, all of those were white men the, too, and it's rough. The Siamese cats oh and Lady and the God. Tramp, all of it. We come, we come from a racist <laughs> history. Just, you know, brushing it under the rug isn't going to help it. We have to have an honest conversation about all these things. And until until we're able to do that as a society. And if you go, I, where, where are you from originally? I'm from, I split time kind of between small town Texas. So like Midland, Odessa, Amarillo, Texas, and then mm -hmm. Rochester, New York. So both, okay. yeah, both very so, racist in their own ways. <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say, depending on like a lot, a lot of uh, middle America, it's just, it is just predominantly white mm -hmm. and it always has been and up in the Appalachian stuff. So they aren't exposed. And the only time they are exposed is through different media things and i feel like they felt unrepresented and that's a lot of what trump tapped into that that uh you know that sense of of them not being seen for for mm -hmm. you know what their experience was the fact the the fact is though that experience is kind of xenophobic it just that's what it's yeah, come from absolutely so is there anything else you'd like to say about the movie anything yeah did did he but just die at his piano at the end like, cause I guess so. Right? Yeah, I guess when he left the zone, he dies at his piano, and then I guess like comes back to life when they revive him. No, yeah. when did they revive him? They did. I'm, I, they revive him after after he saves twenty two. It's like right at the end. It's very very quick. But he saves twenty two. They let twenty two go to Earth, and then the Jerry's are like, "Hey, you know, since you did such good work with this, we're not gonna let you die. We're gonna give you another chance at life." So they give him a chance at life, and. Then I guess he dies another. This guy's died like four times, but I guess it's happened to people, you know. <laughs> Man, that guy. That guy needs to change his diet. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. No, yeah. I, I honestly I liked it a lot more than I thought. I watched uh, Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas when it came out, and mm -hmm. Soul came out at the same time, and I just wasn't interested. 
I was like, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I don't really feel like I need to see this Pixar movie at all. And I'm just not a Pixar. Yeah. And I, the trailer for it wasn't good at all. It did not, I think, say anything about what it was going to be. It felt like it was going to be like a, a Robin Williams, uh, Dead Poets Society type of movie, but animated. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. No, it, it, it uh, was very good. I mean, it just it just won the Academy Award Best mm -hmm. Animated Feature for uh, yeah. you know, 2020. And there were some contenders. There were some contenders in that category. Wolfwalker was very good. I didn't love Onward, but it was fine. I could see why. Yeah, there were some contenders. I was very pleasantly surprised. I definitely would recommend it to anyone. You know, the, the moral, the fact that we were able to get into this conversation based mm -hmm. off of a, an animated film is, is very impressive. Yes. I don't think we could have uh, had this deep of a conversation over <laughs> Finding Nemo, but uh, I'm sure, you know, that I'm sure it would have brought up some, its own set of issues. Wally, maybe. Yeah. Wally, yeah. maybe. I think Finding Nemo is deep. I've got I've got a deep one, but I'll review that soon. But yeah, it was great <laughs> having you on. It Thank was you. Awesome. It's great being I here. Yeah. Uh, I obviously I read your kind of email and promotional stuff at the front, but feel free to at the end just to plug anything you want or say anything about yourself or something that you want the audience to check out. I'll leave all of your links below so that they can just click on them for ease. But yeah. Anything well, no, I, I mean, more than anything, I'm currently working on finishing up my my uh, Realized Entertainment website. Realized Entertainment essentially is an artist collective and community of thoughtful films, podcasts, writings, and projects. So the idea is essentially to put poetry, philosophy, and politics into entertaining narratives realize entertainment and and we're doing it through a lot of different ways we're working on some nice. feature-length screenplays right now we're putting together a web series we do music we uh you know like i said we have several different podcasts on there check it out r-e-a-l-i-z-e-d entertainment.com you can also follow me on the socials i'm at, at samama bish s-u-m-a-m-a bish on everything and aside from that you know it was just uh great to be a part of the show so i, I really enjoyed it yeah, thank thanks you thanks for coming on yeah oh oh one one more thing check out the perpendicular mouths uh, we're tpm podcast <laughs> the perpendicular mouths very different than this we're, we're just we keep it light we keep it totally light we're just debating the greatest everything of all time that can be anything from uh you know uh, comedians, the pasta noodles. The last one we did was on taters, you know, potatoes, the best way to eat a potato. Uh, the next one we have coming up is going to be on haters. Who's the greatest hater of all time. So check that out. <laughs> that sounds great. Awesome. Thanks so much, Eric, for coming on and getting deep with me. Yeah. So this is it, you guys. This is the last episode of the first season. 22 episodes. I have never done a podcast by myself. I'd never really edited a podcast by myself. I learned so much. I met so many cool people who I'm sure I will work with again in so many faucets. And I hope you guys really enjoyed it. The last time I checked, I had over 300 downloads. And that is amazing because I didn't even put that much effort into 
promoting it. I have a couple of like thousands of listeners on YouTube, which got me to be eligible for monetization. So we'll see how that goes. So thank you guys so much. Obviously, I'm nothing without the fan base. So it would mean so much to me if you could go and leave a review of what you thought of this podcast. If you were a guest on my podcast, if you could go and consider leaving a review and telling me what you'd like to improve or have better and I will work really hard on it. I'm going to take a break. I probably won't be back till 2022 because girl got to get her teeth straightened because she is tired of cavities um, and I'm not going to let you guys listen to because that's gross, right? So gross. So I'll still be making films. I'll still be uploading stuff onto my YouTube channel. There's so much that I haven't uploaded because I've been busy doing this and acting and stuff. So keep an eye out, keep in touch. And I'm so excited for the next season and I can't wait to show you guys that. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to more.